Please join me in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. A year ago, no one could have imagined how 2020 would become a year that turned our worlds upside down due to the COVID-19 pandemic. What originally began as a possible two-week shutdown in March turned into months of physical distancing, loneliness, isolation, and the steady unraveling of hopes and dreams for doing life together. And while we're trying to come to terms with the fact that Although we kept Thanksgiving Day low-key with the naive hope of celebrating a normal Christmas with our extended families, uh, that won't be happening either. And then, to top it off, we're back to a lockdown situation in in our city with no in-person attendance in our building. And any thoughts of progress seems to be just slipping through our hands. It's disappointing, isn't it? At the same time, however, we might actually have an opportunity to understand the mystery and message of Christmas in an entirely new light this year. Isn't it true that all too often we sanitize Christmas and turn it into a nice Hallmark card or nativity scene where everything's beautiful and pristine and cozy? I mean, there's never any cattle manure in the stable on Christmas cards. There's no flies. It's just clean straw and animals quietly looking on. And even baby Jesus isn't allowed to dampen the holiday cheer because according to the carol, Away in a Manger, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. It's actually a make-believe world, an alternative reality that, that detracts from the good news of Jesus' birth. The first Christmas night, of course, was not very cozy. It was a dark night, and after an arduous journey from Galilee, Mary and Joseph are locked out of the inn. They are isolated from people. Christmas was a dark night, and it was in a field, not in the temple, not even in the local synagogue, where where angels broke into human history with those reassuring words, don't be afraid. We recognize the validity of the shepherd's fear. I mean, it's not every day that one sees angels. No wonder they were terrified. They never experienced anything like a visit of an angel before. And fear is a common human reaction to events we've not experienced before. And needless to say, we've never experienced a global pandemic on the scale of the COVID-19 pandemic before. And whatever one might think about media coverage, it cannot be denied that there's lots that we simply don't know about and do not yet understand. One thing that we can be sure about this Christmas is that many people are afraid. Afraid of a virus that we cannot see, that we cannot control. Afraid of the news that in recent days, Uh, There's been a new strain of the virus that's appeared in the UK, prompting a heightened level of anxiety. Fear is widespread. Fear of the unknown. Fear of an economic fallout. Fear about the emotional and psychological repercussions in in children, in the youth, and elderly. Fear of a virus that doesn't seem to be able to be stopped. 
And precisely because we seem to be moving backwards instead of forwards, it may well be that the message that we need to be reminded of on this Christmas Day 2020 is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Well, because to you is born a Savior, Christ, who is the Messiah, someone who has come to rescue us, someone promised thousands of years before he's here, he's our Savior, he's the only one who can save us from sin or from anything else that threatens our lives. And so our eyes need to be focused on the Christ child. The chorus of angels joined to celebrate the announcement with words that we desperately long not only to hear but to see and to experience in our days. Peace on earth. Peace, not just the absence of conflict, but that wholesome well-being, that shalom. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And yet everything in the picture that scripture paints for us on that first night would suggest that an announcement of peace is at best naive, wishful thinking, and at worst, a cruel joke. Even the most optimistic person or perspective has been shaken this year. And so it seems hard to accept that this could be possible for us. And yet, it is a peace for such a time as this. Jesus doesn't enter the world as a hallmark, picture-perfect baby. He enters the world as it really was and still is, precisely because he is the Savior that we so desperately need. Jesus is born into a world where there was lots to be concerned about on so many levels, where there was lots wrong with the world, dramatized symbolically by the fact that his poor, stigmatized young mother is forced to give birth in a stable because there's no room in the inn. Clearly, it's a time when common decency and respect were not high on anyone's list of priorities. You know, we quickly condemn the innkeeper, but think about it for a moment. If common courtesy today tells us to give up our seat for a pregnant woman on a crowded bus, wouldn't you have expected that someone who had a room would have given up their space for a woman who was about to give birth? Something was wrong with the world. There seems to have been a, a basic lack of human decency, possibly because the entire system was groaning under the oppressive state that imposed a disruptive inconvenience on people. It wasn't just a census that you could fill in uh, um, a mail-in questionnaire but it was a journey back to one's ancestral town. Speaking with someone from Indwell after a service a couple of weeks ago, uh, he commented that it struck him, if Mary came to Hamilton to give birth today, where would she go? And he suggested that she'd probably end up with the homeless people living in tents just below the escarpment. And you know, it's shocking to think that the mother of our Lord would need to go to a place like that, but I think his point was well made. But the problem is that centuries of Christmas celebrations and streams of red ribbon on wrapped presents may have desensitized us from the harsh realities of the first Christmas. Luke highlights that she, that Mary, gave birth to her firstborn, that she wrapped him in cloths, that she laid him in the manger. 
There's every indication that they were all by themselves. There's no midwife, no one to help Mary deliver her child. They're all alone on a dark night. Jesus is born into a world full of disappointment and divisions. The oppression and the wearisome power struggles embodied 2,000 years ago in Herod, but still very much alive in a world today. In a way, it's so countercultural on so many levels, but God sends his angels to announce the greatest news to the world to members of the lowest strata of society, to shepherds. Glory to God. Peace on earth? Hmm. What immediately becomes apparent is that the good news of God's peace that was announced that night is not limited to life's circumstances. We so often look for something to bring us peace. The angelic message of peace, though, is not an emotion or a feeling. This peace cannot be purchased or ordered online. Even Amazon Prime can't deliver this time. The angelic choir is not background music for our busy schedules, our get-together or our shopping. No, the announcement that, that heralds um, an earth-transforming event is what, this, what, the, what the angels had for us. The peace that they announce is found in a person. In fact, not only had the prophet Isaiah announced the coming of the Messiah as the Prince of Peace centuries before, but the prophet Micah, speaking of the Messiah's birth in Bethlehem, emphasizes that he will shepherd his people with great power because he's David's greater son. He will bring security to his people because as sovereign Lord, he's the universal king. And his greatness will extend to the ends of the earth all the way to Hamilton. And says Micah, he, the Messiah, will be our peace. Yes, says Isaiah, He's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the eternal father. He is the prince of peace. He is our peace precisely for such a time as this. And you know, it's here where we encounter the mystery of Christmas. The angel announces that the one who was born is none other than the Christ, the Lord. And yet, and yet think about it. For nine months, he grew slowly in Mary's womb. And although he was the one through whom God had created the universe, he's completely dependent on Mary's placenta for life as a human being as he is formed in her womb. And now at Christmas, this baby lying in a manger is presented as the Savior. And yet, as a baby, he's thrust into the world accompanied by a woman's labor pains. Baby Jesus cannot fend for himself. Rather, he needs a mother's care, a mother's milk to survive. If Mary doesn't wrap him up, he'll, he'll shiver from cold. God breaks into history in a way that leaves us breathless. He is the word of God, and yet he can't even talk. He is the way to the Father, but he's unable to walk. He's, he's the Savior, Yet as a fearful Herod wants to remove any threat to his throne, he sends shepherds, uh, soldiers to kill Jesus, and the Savior needs to be saved. Ironically, during another dark night in the not-too-distant future, 
infant Jesus would need to be carried to safety as a refugee to Egypt in a desperate escape to save the Savior's life. Just like so many migrant and refugee children around the world, even as we speak. And there's nothing nostalgic around that. Yet, this is precisely how God brings about his work of reconciliation. This is how he ushers peace into the world. It's the way of downward mobility. It's, it's a journey that will ultimately bring Jesus to the cross. You see, the incarnation is not just about Bethlehem. It's also Egypt and Nazareth and Capernaum and Galilee and Golgotha and the Mount of Olives. It is a life of real human experience. Isn't it significant that Jesus' birth is announced with the words, don't be afraid, now there's peace on earth. And then at the end of his earthly ministry, the resurrected Jesus, his first words to his fearful disciples locked down in the upper room for fear of the Jews are again, peace be to you. This is still his message for the church today. In fact, just prior to his leaving, he said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. This is peace for such a time as this. Now again, Jesus not only gives us his peace, Paul in his letter to the Ephesians is bold to say that Christ is our peace in Ephesians chapter two. And so yes, the peace the angels announce is in fact a person. In a world alienated from God due to sin, God's concrete strategy for reconciliation, for restoring peace between rebellious sinners and a merciful God, and between people alienated from one another, and even, if we take into account the psalm reading this morning, even alienation between human beings and the rest of creation, God's way of reconciliation is wrapped in cloths and is laid in a manger. The birth of the Christ child is good news for us because God is for us, not against us. Because God is with us, he's Emmanuel. He can only be our peace because God is love and God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's often said that Advent and the Christmas season is an opportunity to remember Christ's three comings. His first coming as, as a baby in Bethlehem, his second coming at the end of world history, but also his coming into our lives. Perhaps this is the year when so much of the busyness of the season simply won't be part of our celebration due to the COVID restrictions that we'll have a chance to think more deeply about God's announcement of peace. Perhaps this year in the stillness and solitude we can welcome God's gift of peace into our lives once again. This Christmas, we can intentionally receive this gift. We can remember that, that the angels said that the good news of the birth of Jesus is good news of great joy to all people. This is good news for you and I as well. So no matter what might cause you fear, a sense of sinfulness, a fear of dying, a fear of an unpredictable future, 
God's message for you is that Christ is born for you. And if Christ is born for you, faith in him means that he will be with you, that he will give you his peace, that he gives you himself. And as we welcome the gift of God's peace, we will not only come to realize that we're loved by God, but we will be surprised how it could transform us into peacemakers for such a time as this. Because peace is both a gift and a responsibility. This year we've seen so much division within society, whether it's politics, racial tension, or public policy related to the pandemic. At a time when so many Christians are wrapped up in debates about masks and freedom to gather, if you read social media, it's striking that the public conversations on mainstream media are asking for a grief task force. There's so much grief and loneliness, and I fear that when it's all over, we'll look back at this time as a missed opportunity to offer real and lasting hope at a time when our society recognized human limitations, vulnerability, the pain of loss, and the reality of death. Surely as Christians, we can do better. When Jesus is truly our peace, we become his agents, his instruments of peace as ambassadors of Christ, called to embody, to announce, and to demonstrate that very same message of peace that our society that's divided and that's alienated from God and from one another that, that they so desperately want to hear so that we can overcome divisions as we kneel together at the manger before this helpless child who would later forever establish the kingdom of peace by putting hostility to death through the cross as Paul says in Ephesians chapter two. And you know, as, as Paul unpacks this, he makes an astonishing statement. He writes, and he, that's Jesus, came and preached peace to you. Now think about that for a moment. The Gospels never record a trip that Jesus made to Ephesus or to any place else in Asia Minor. And yet, this is what the text said. He came and preached peace. And the point is, when Jesus is present in the preaching of the word, um, Jesus is, is there, that Jesus is present whenever the message of peace is proclaimed. And so when you and I become persons of peace, Christ himself is at work in and through us, and people will recognize that Jesus isn't simply a figure from a story long ago, but no, no, he's alive and he's present in our world. And as that radical, transformative peace enters our lives, it remakes us and we become people of hope as Paul writes to Titus because as on this Christmas day, we celebrate that God's grace has appeared, bringing salvation to all. And God's grace then trains us to reorient our lives around the values of Christ, renouncing sin and, and worldly passions. God calls us to respond to his gift of salvation with lives that are self-controlled, just, and godly, while we wait for the blessed hope for Christ's second coming. And we become people of hope looking for the day when all creation will dance for joy as the Lord Jesus comes again to put all the world right. It's a hope that is as sure as the resurrection of Christ. 
And so today we can plant our feet firmly on the promises of the gospel, on the promise of the returning Christ. We can celebrate this Christmas as an act of resistance. We reject fear and despair. No, no, we are a people of hope, Bethlehem hope and Easter hope. And you know, the godly life that Paul talks about is not something we do alone. It is the gift of Christ for us as well. This is what the text says. He redeems us. He purifies us for himself so that we become a people who are zealous, passionate about living in a way, speaking in a way that glorifies God. This is his gift too. This is part of the promise of the gospel as God transforms us to be people who have a family resemblance reflecting the love and the peace of God. This gospel holiness is also part of the good news of Christmas. And so as we move to the celebration of the Lord's Supper, let us remember that this is the table of reconciliation. This is the table that celebrates a peace that is as real as the bread we take in our hands and the juice we drink, gifts of God's creation. It is a joyful, expectant peace that is so much bigger than we could possibly have imagined. And we take the symbols of peace, Bethlehem peace, Calvary peace, and resurrection peace into our hands and into our lives as we look forward to the final cosmos-wide peace of the new creation. And as we look forward to that day, it is here at his table that we once again celebrate Emmanuel, and we are assured once again that God is truly with us. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for a message of peace for such a time as this. We thank you that this is not wishful thinking, that this is not naive optimism, but that this is as real as that child that was laid in the manger, as real as our Savior as he hung on the cross, as real as our Savior's resurrected life. And so we pray, O oh God, that as we celebrate Christmas today, we would do so with a hope that transforms our lives and the lives of those around us. And may we be people of peace. In Christ's name, amen.